You're listening to the Surgeons of Horror podcast. John Carpenter, the early years. Assault on Precinct 13. Okay, welcome to the second season of the Surgeons of Horror podcast. Its purpose is to look into the horror films, dissecting them one screen legend at a time. Our second horror legend and focus for the upcoming seasons will be director, writer, producer, musician, you could probably throw in there. Um, John Carpenter. Who gave us, the team at Surgeons of Horror podcast, the impetus to gather ourselves together and look back at his career and the impact it had on the horror film genre. That's really off-putting. I'm doing the thing. (laughs) I know you are. It's awesome. (laughs) I think your synth is broken. So, in order to successfully do this, though, we need a team of horror aficionados who will form the surgical team each episode. So let me introduce you. First up is yours truly, Paul Farrell, lead surgeon and host of the series of the podcast. Self-confessed horror freak, a girl up drawn to the dark work of the silver screen. Threw myself into that arena with a lot of relish and glee, may I add. Joining me each episode at the Operating Theatre is a select team of horror aficionados who are hand-selected to perform the surgical task of dissecting each movie. On hand with me for this particular episode is Chief Anethicist. And I hate that word. So we're calling the Big Cheese from now on. Big Cheese! Uh, and that's uh, Anthony Yee. Hello. Who offers, an, uh, 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 yeah, yeah. Um, who offers an insightful study into the art of um, cellulite. Does he like, do you think he makes four notes? I'm the music composer, and like he just says, I'll take that percentage of the budget of music, whatever the music composer budget is, whatever film he does. Yeah. I'll take that. Here's five notes on a loop. Well, he's going a bit crazy at the moment with like all these gigs and stuff. Like, people are flocking to it. Oh, like, his music they, is great. Don't get me wrong. really, really good. Yeah, don't so, yeah, yeah, yeah. any of the... Uh, I'm not offending his music. He's even like genius. a gun for hire for other film, yeah. horror, horror film or film oh, kind of makers now that will get him in to do the music for him. Because, Without um, even trying. Like, it's yeah. just effortless. It's something, it's something, yeah. But what's the thing is, bum, bum. Yeah. Bum, bum, that's it. That's it. I feel that moment Spielberg first when John Williams went, hey, here's the thing for Jaws. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's like, yeah, funny, what do you got? No, that was it. Uh, cash or check. <laughs> That's right. Um, so, I, I've listed here that your, uh, your skill set. I have to move on, otherwise oh, sorry, we'll get to an hour and 45 minutes oh, for the fucking country. <laughs> okay, so um, your skill set is that you are, and uh, I guess it's case in point, is that you have a keen eye for the slices of details. Um, so you kind of narrow in on any of those imperfections and uh, stuff that just ails the inquisitive mind. The more irrelevant, the better. Yeah. And uh, to my left in the uh, podcast booth is uh, Chief Surgical Technician. Ben Skinner. Um, <laughs> throwing a little bit of a Euro language flavour into this. <laughs> <laughs> like, huh? You need to be more Yeah, we do. That's it. It's just still going to fly. Because having one token Asian isn't enough. And you are somebody who really gets into the guts of the subject, and um, that's kind of where I turn to you when we really want to talk about the, the nitty-gritty of the piece. Um, so that's the team. Uh, without further ado, let's dissect our second subject on the John Carpenter early sessions and this subject is of course assault on precinct 13 yes so cute <laughs> you <laughs> missed the cue <laughs> oh, oh, no, 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 no. i'll do the other thing it's like the harry the dirty harry 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the little... Um, yeah. Because every time they put out soundtracks of John Carpenter, those two songs are included. Exactly. Anyway, so, it's not even Precinct 13, but we'll get to that in a second. Yeah, we will, we will. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, so, like, um, as, as is the case, and if anyone's uh, new, new listeners um, out there, um, what we tend to do is we, we go through the plot narrative and we rip it apart. Um, and dissect it and uh, talk around it and then we move into kind of talking about the players of the piece that were involved any kind of stand-up performances any scare factors if it's uh, leaning that way a few director's notes and then our final verdict um, so let's get into the journey we open with that music um, <laughs> man you're so shit at it um and um, which is iconic, like to me, like I, you know, this is we've had Dark Star already, but this is the first uh, instance we've had of 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 Carpenter's signature um, in his music. And it's I used to have this one as a ringtone for ages. Yeah, I love it. it's still one of my yeah. fav- favorite favorite tunes of his. And even if you hadn't seen the, I'd be surprised if you yeah. hadn't heard this already before you saw the film, because. Yeah, it is, yeah, I hadn't seen the film when I got the, the songs of John Carpenter. Yeah, called, yeah. I had, that was one of the few films I hadn't seen. And yeah. I was thinking, this is kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, like it's, a, it's a good, it's a good, good beat. Yeah. So we open up in um, Anderson, California. It's uh, an LA ghetto. We're told that it's Saturday and it's three ten a.m. Mm-hmm. We see six gang mu- gang members from the, this gang called Street Thunder. They're going to terrorize. Were they, <laughs> were they labelled Street Thunder? Yeah, it came uh, up on the radio a bit later on. On the radio, okay. Yeah, yeah. actually a dance crew. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. We're Street Thunder! Dangerous. Also, they're a multiracial gang. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. That's oh, right. No, multiracial gang! They're the worst gangs ever. Yeah. Diversity. Because they're so, vicious, um, but they get on. But that's all right, because the police gunned them down um, in the middle of an alley. Not much has changed. No, <laughs> that's right. Um, we learned that uh, through the radio that we we learned that the juvenile gun problem is out of control, so kind of uh, adding to that kind of tension that's set around the, the location. Uh, and we cut to our four warlords, as they're labelled in the credits. Uh, white warlord, black, black warlord, warlord, oriental, oriental warlord, warlord. and Chicano or- warlord. <laughs> oriental in the credits, I love it. Yeah, oriental I've not warlord. Seen that in these, in these <laughs> they sit around with a bunch of Arsenal before cutting themselves, capture their blood in some uh, form of pact. They cut fish themselves bowl. with really mm. big fish knives. Bowl. Yeah, pour like a gallon of blood each into this fish yeah. bowl. Totally fine. Die on a spot, and that was the end of the film. That's the film. Yeah. It's a cholo. Which are really good with caramel yeah. for me in the movie. So, so are you have you are you aware of this? I, was, I read about it afterwards. Okay, it's, it's a it's a blood pack to fuck somebody up. Okay, cool. Well, yeah. let, oh, wait, cool. Yeah, well, no, it's it's interesting that you you looked it up straight away. Yeah, because it's just one of those things that's not really explained. No, no that's explained good. I like that. I like that. It's not. Other than the Wells character kind of semi knowing what what it's about and going that's crazy shit or something a bit further down the pack uh, mm. down the track. Um, okay, so um, so this all happens. So we can kind of start to learn that they're. A bit fucked these people in the head. Um, we then come to daytime and we're introduced to Lieutenant Bishop as he gets into his car and heads off to work. He's assigned to. He's whistling a tune, which. Yeah, that was the thing, wasn't it? Yeah. I, I've got this in the director's note, but this is uh, John Carpenter. I'll say it now. John Carpenter has uh, really wanted to make a western. That's it's supposed to be Rio Bravo, isn't it? Yeah, it's Rio yeah. Bravo, it's yeah. based on. So. I don't know if the theme's from that or if it's just a, a nod to how uh, the cowboys or the heroes tend to whistle a lot. They got a western vibe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've actually seen Rio so. Bravo a couple of times, and I found, I found out that was his homage to it. it was really yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I, was, I mean, we'll get into that in, in the. Come on. Is that a smoke? 
Okay, that's number one. <laughs> okay. Um, so, so, okay, go on. Wait, wait, yeah, so we'll, we'll get into the director's notes down the track. So anyway, so we, uh, Bishop then, uh, he's, this is where he learns that he's been assigned to Precinct 9. Yes, I said Precinct 9, <laughs> Division 13. Yes. So it makes, it does make you wonder why it's called a sort of Precinct 13. <laughs> it sounds I, better, man. I, then call it a Precinct 13. But District you know. 9 would, but that was like not 20 years later. Yeah. But yeah, no, I did think, is this... Is yeah, was that the prequel? Is this, were you like, oh, is this the prequel? Yeah, 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 yeah. What's going to happen or something? Yeah, but anyway, no, no, but yeah. the cool thing about that scene is that he's driving along, and three times this woman pulls up alongside, stares right down the camera, going, "What the hell's going on?" <laughs> yeah. Because there's a camera rig in the car. Obviously, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, not, it's not a sled. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it's just because he's black. I think. <laughs> well, uh, it was a black. It was a black woman. That's a black sheriff. It was a black woman. Didn't want to point that out, but just the look she gives right down the camera. I thought there was going to be. Drive by. Like, yeah. I actually thought that's what it was. Uh, she's gonna pull down. But you can yeah. see him acknowledge her and he's trying to slow down while trying to accelerate. <laughs> and twice she catches up with him and he tells him I'm trying to look at her. I've only got one take. Stop it. It says a lot about the budget. And as yes. again, just to remind people, this was the second movie that Carpenter did. Um, so not a lot of money uh, left there. But it was the one that would cement the way forward for what would be his next movie, which we'll talk about a bit down the track. Yeah. Um, so then, uh, so like this is where, as I said, he's learning to go into Precinct 9, and we also learned that it's a, a precinct that's about to close down as well. So he's kind of going there to, on what, guard duty, essentially, just to make sure that... To see it done. Yeah, to see it through. Um, we then cut to a, a prison where a prison transport is about to take place. We meet two convicts plus a third whose name is Wilson, Q, and... Wilson? <laughs> you got a smoke. Oh, smoke, uh, yeah. Which is where he says the line, "You got a smoke" for I've the first smoke. of many times. You were referencing Castaway. Then. I was. Yeah, Wilson. Yes, Wilson. trips up the warden to play a trick on him. Um, yeah, he throws his chain around. His throws his chain around and kind of pulls him down. So that's kind of well, showing. It's going to be a legitimate escape attempt, but it's no, it's just more just fuck you, just, yeah. buddy. Shit, yeah. some giggles. Yeah. Uh, so we're now at ni- uh, we're now at five thirty-seven p.m. and there's a guy called Lawson and his daughter Kathy in the car. Like Kim Richards. Kim Richards, man. Uh, she was my high school, like my fantasy crush. But I didn't realize I grew up with her. <laughs> That's why I was like, when I had puberty, she had puberty. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. We all have those. I think Christina Ritchie was was fine. Yeah. yeah, Christina Ritchie. All oh, right, Julia Swala for me. Press gang. Yes, press gang too. Yeah, she was my British version. Of that. Yeah, that was where I went. <laughs> Linda yeah. Day, tell Linda me more. Day. Yeah, no. And everyone listening <laughs> just thinks we're creeps. Yeah, yeah. Wait, Duh. wait, 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 wait. Wait, that's normal, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Don't, stay tuned, stay tuned. Um, <laughs> this is Kim Richards' annoying little girl. Yeah, this is, we're talking, uh, not lo- I presume, not long after a Little House on the Prairie kind of time where that's what she was known for. Oh, Dis- she was Disney, known for Disney Yeah, like, Disney, Disney, Disney. Disney. The and we'll... We'll go to her as yeah, well and talk about that. So Race to the mountain. Race to Brokeback Mountain. Race to. I'm gonna get that first. It's a mashup. Um, so, um, so they're there to try and uh, so the you know the father and daughter are there because they want they're in this neighbourhood because they want to try and convince the nan uh, that nanny. we don't see um, to move out of the tough neighbourhood that they're in. Uh, we then see the the the, uh, the gang, uh, the four warlords, warlords. roaming the streets. And they hop into a car and drive around, and they're packing heat. Which I want to turn to you, Anne, for a moment, because I know one of your bugbears is is how guns are represented on, on yes. movies. We're seeing a lot of uh, of Arsenal on show here. Yes. Believable? Uh, yes and no. Okay. Uh, firstly, the, for the Mauser, which is the pistol they were carrying, the silencers that they're holding for that particular gun are way too short. 
Yeah. Um, the Betrayal of Silences, which is a big plot point in this movie. Yeah, yeah, it is. Completely unrealistic. But yes. we're unrealistic in most movies, in pretty much every movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, because there are silences on revolvers, which oh, don't yeah. exist. Yeah. Uh, because that, that don't work. And, but also, Dirty Harry had silences on revolvers, so that was, you yeah, know. Yeah. Yeah. No. So so far, I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So now uh, we cut back to Bishop. So he turns. He actually now turns up at the precinct. There's a kind of bit where he observes the lay of the land before he goes in. So that gives the audience a sense of location. We see the car park. Yeah, across the road with only a few cars there, and yeah, there's hardly anything there, like you said, desolate. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, he goes into the, as I said, into the precinct. He, um, he. This is where we meet Lee and Ju- Julie. I've put here down down here. They, they're secretaries at the station. They're called secretaries. They call. Are they secretaries, secretaries or are they? Because they we, today you call them admin assistants. Uh, okay, because cool. they're civilians. They're not cops. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah. Um, so they're they're and that's a really good point. They're civilians, not cops. That's that's, a, that's an important point in this. Um, and then we get the kind of slightly awkward dialogue between uh, Bishop and Lee where she offers him coffee and he says, uh, uh, how do you like it? <laughs> black and sweet like my men. No, that's a different movie, different movie. Um, that's when he says, um, uh, black and I, I, I have been for over 30, 30 years. years. And I'm thinking, yeah. hello. <laughs> that's, it's so racist it's now cool again. Like, it's that come around? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That you can't yeah. get away with it now? But yeah, it is. Anyway, she, does she laugh at all? She gives him a derisive look. Oh, you. She gives him a look as if say, I can't believe you said that. Yeah, yeah. It's really weird. She's interesting. Anyway. Yeah, I would be more looking to the camera after you said that. Wing to four. You know what I'm saying? Hey. 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 30 years. Anyway. So, um. He's a chip, by the way. I just realised he's a California Highway Patrolman. Yes, he's a chick. That's why he's the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a chick. Yeah, he's a chick. He's a chick. He's a chick. Yeah. This oh, is the bit where Poncho turns up. Yeah. And, and yeah. who's the other one? Hank. George. George. I don't know. Let's call him Bob. Yeah. Um, so uh, we also learn in, uh, in this kind of interaction that uh, Bishop grew up in the area that they're in, um, and more again, kind of uh, laying the groundwork of that it is a, a fucking rough neighbourhood in case we weren't aware of that he tells us the story of um, his dad sending him in yeah that's right yeah which apparently happened to Alfred Hitchcock really supposedly that's what I've been telling that's pretty cool mm. and so but um, you know we get this kind of thing where she says to him um, yeah well you, uh, good job your parents got you out early and he kind yes. of makes a point I actually grew up here until I was 20 and I left off my own accord yes. bitch yeah <laughs> take that and I've been black for 30 years <laughs> <laughs> so um, this podcast is just about race yeah, it's so. going to be race yeah well, like it's, yeah. it is but an it interesting is. But because okay this is a really, uh, I'll mention it now I have put it in the notes down the track but Austin Stoker who plays um, a bishop in this um is an African American. It's the first, prob- uh, one of the first films where we've seen um, an African American play a lead in a film. Mm. Um, and there's a lot of nods to um, Night of the Living Dead yes. in this respect too. Yes, yes, yes. Um, so there's a lot going on here, and it's deliberate, you know. Yes. And I and I think you know, all jokes aside, um, this was quite a bold and courageous move. Yeah, to I did, do I that, did wonder that. that. I was yeah. thinking in this game of context of mm. Hollywood timeline, yeah. like how this actually fell. In terms of yeah, because he yeah, he's, he, the, uh, he's the lead. Like, yeah, he's the lead. the lead. Yeah, yeah. yeah so right. it would have been it would have been a big deal at the time. Ah, for sure, for sure. Yeah. Well, because they set up that first scene it was like, okay, is there going to be tension between him and 
yeah. league, yeah. which would be a very bold move for the yeah. to make. But then Wilson comes in, and then it's like a three-way attention. <laughs> and it's symbolised by the fact that she just walks out. And not giving away the ending, but yeah, she chooses in a way at the end of the movie. can't believe he's spoilers, everyone. I did. Um, okay, so... Um, so we get a lot of background anyway, essentially, of the of the bishop character. Um, he goes in to see the captain who he's relieving for for the day um, or for the evening. So, and the captain's again talking about all these incidents that are occurring out on the streets. Um, and before he then eventually leaves, handing over the keys, so to speak, to he bishop. loads of a shotgun, puts inside yeah. a box and locks the box. Which I'm not too sure if you would do that. Yeah, load a weapon and then lock it in the box. Which is uh, which is key for later on. It is. It's but, meant to be shipped out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, anyway, I found that a bit weird. Yeah, that's true. <clears throat> um, we, then, it, then, we then fast forward. It's 6.18pm and the gang are cruising out in the streets. White Warlord sticks a gun out the window and starts eyeing off potential victims when he spies an ice cream van. I actually found that particular incident uh, probably the most nerving. It was, yeah. Uh, was particularly, like, we see a lot of uh, gun rage, gun incidents, yeah. gun crime incidents, and uh, just to have that kind of... Fear factor of some, anyone could get yeah picked no off it yeah and I found that probably overall the most haunting part of the movie yeah. um, well there's no there's no particular motive behind it yeah so. no that's it that's it <coughs> yeah. that's exactly well, it and usually yeah gang gang crime if, if a civilian is killed it's it's like collateral damage yeah, kind of yeah. but this yeah. is like targeted that's right yeah. that's right um, so. Uh, so they, so the driver run, and then uh, we cut to the ice cream driver, and he also notices the you know the car cruising round. Uh, we then go back to the prison bus, and then we have Wilson waxing lyrical. Uh, we have the the cop guy who, um, who asks uh, who asks why he killed those men. So they, we're That's getting right. a bit of yeah. like, we never really find out what he did, although the hint there is that he killed a lot of people. Yeah, um, and um, we also learned that his first name is Napoleon as well. Just to I make it obscure. That. This is probably the first instance of of, uh, of uh, anti-hero uh, characters that John Carpenter uses with quirky names too. Snake Plissken. Snake Plissken. Yeah. Now, I'm going to say it now, but this to me, this character of Napoleon Wilson, I feel really strongly is is an indicator or the first... Uh, or the spot, yeah, the prototype yeah. of what Snake Plissken will be. Yeah, yeah And fair. this is why I think this is such an important movie. Okay. Um, but... We'll move on to that down the track again. Um, so, uh, so yeah. So then we uh, we have a, we also find out that one of the prisoners is sick on the bus. Yes. Um, and so they're going to have to stop. And would you believe it? It's going to be a precinct nine. nine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, we then go He's back. So he looks. He looks to, that's another moment where he looks at the camera and yeah. crashes. Yeah. <laughs> expecting to say thirteen, yeah. but he doesn't. It's nine. <laughs> Division thirteen. Um, Lawson and his daughter Kathy pull over so that he can make a call from a public phone box because he's lost, I think, at this point. Why didn't he use his mobile phone? Doesn't have one, man. Doesn't have one. Not very there are a lot of phone boxes in this. In this. Hall. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Don't work. Don't <laughs> That's a good point. Kathy <laughs> <laughs> um, sees the ice cream van, goes to buy one, and the driver is looking a bit nervous because that car is still circling around. As Kathy walks away, the white warlord pulls the driver out of the ice cream van and knocks him to the ground. Kathy realises that she, this is she has swirl. the wrong ice cream. <laughs> she literally goes, oh, fairy, this is a vanilla swirl. And then goes back. Yes. And she already, she already licked, though. If you've licked, I believe, you know yes. that's what, it. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Yes. How would she know it's not the right flavour until she licks? 
That's right. That, so it was a swirl. Yeah. She wanted a, a oh, like a proper. This yeah, is yeah. a scoop. Oh. That's why. But I mean, you can see that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's right. That's right. She pulls so, a scoop. Maybe let's. the fact that that character doesn't. Anyway. So she, she deserves to die. Yeah. Well, just to help the gene pool. She, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, she realizes she's got the wrong ice cream. Goes back to the uh, to the ice cream van. And White Warlord coldly shoots her point blank before then shooting the ice cream driver. Without even looking, he shoots her. Yeah. Uh, and he shoots the wall. The ice cream driver twice in the back. Yep. Yeah. And uh, well, I, don't, I don't know anything about this film. Right? I saw the remake, but I was like, "Holy fuck! Kim Richards just got killed." Yeah. Pretty, it was pretty, and that's, this is the scene that really that made it a seminal film for a lot of people because yes. one of the few instances where a graphically child. a child yeah. was killed on camera. That's right. Yeah. I'm going to come to that in particular yeah. down the yeah. track because there's yeah. something really important around that. But it was like, oh my god! Yeah. I remember thinking, oh, that's a bit hard. Even yeah. now, even now, that's that's you know, yeah, that, yeah. Would, that would linger if it's if oh, you completely. saw that in a movie now. Yeah. yeah. You know. Oh yeah, that's right. It's that's like right. shooting a rabbit or shooting a dog. You know? Exactly. Yeah. Okay, so uh, so he's killed two people, and then uh, uh, Lawson, the father, runs over, the, and the ice cream driver, who's still alive, barely, at this point, tells him that he's got a gun in the van. Gun underneath the dash. And then uh, Lawson then drives off in pursuit of the gang. Night falls, and Lawson catches up to the van, and he shoots and kills the white warlord. How do you know that was the guy that killed his kid? Just picks one? Yeah, just pick one. Guy. Then he realises... Oh fuck! Maybe that wasn't a good idea because I've just shot all six bullets yeah. out of the car. Yeah, and there's three of them still alive. And then three of them come out of the car, um, and then and then we get a, a chase on foot. Yes. At this point, why? Why? I, I forget. Was there a reason why they didn't just get back in the car? He rounds to a phone booth. Yeah. They, for some reason, walk. Yeah. But then they become six out of nowhere, like out of the darkness. They come. Well, that's the, this is this is yeah. what's uh, part of what's really good about this movie too, is because mm. the gang slowly gets bigger and bigger as, as it gets well, goes on. Forced, not yeah, people, exactly. Which, that's right. Uh, oh yeah, absolutely. Mm. So Lawson then eventually he comes across the precinct by luck, um, and then he gets goes in, and that's when he kind of breaks down, um, and he then subscribes uh, and can't the talk. Over the top is not over the top enough. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so then, uh, so the transport officer is on the phone at this point when he's suddenly cut off, and then the power goes out. Mm-hmm. We have a uh, officer Cheney, who's like the only, I guess, B officer that's that's there. Um, that's out, right. Away, outside. The desk officer. Yeah, it's a desk, desk officer. officer. Yeah. That's it. Um, so he goes to uh, call a, f- uh, a fellow precinct using the comms in his car, but in doing so, he gets shot and killed. Yeah. And they go, oh, he's tripped. He's tripped. Oh, that's Cheney. What a card. He's done the, hey, hey, Julie, he's done the falling over again. <laughs> he's, doing the, he's doing the bleeding out of the back. Oh, dear. But it is interesting because before they actually realise that there's, there's a danger yeah. present, yeah. they just stay behind the doors. Like, wouldn't you open the door and just yeah. oh, you're all right, mate? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> they, they all stay. Stay, that's they, it. They prefer to look through this little window. window. It's just yeah. like... Yeah. Yeah, that's it. That's it. So um, at the same time, the prison transport guys um, who are getting transported back onto the bus suddenly get ambushed. They basically kill every officer standing, um, and I think the sick prisoner the sick guy gets killed. Um, and then it's just uh, uh, Wilson and Wells that are left, and they kind of scramble themselves back in. I think Bishop starts, uh, you know, helps them, but he locks them back up again. Yes, um, and then and yeah, and so yeah, two uh, two prisoners uh, are still safe. Um, Gunfire just kind of howls down on them as they kind of duck and cover. Um, and then we're kind of just left with, uh, so other than the prisoners, there's Bishop Lee and Julia, the sole survivors of the department. Um, and the father is still alive too. 
So we've got what's so that? He, Six is people. Is he just completely stricken with grief, or yeah, he's just gone. He's just yeah. incapacitated. I did think that at one point yeah. later on. I yeah. wondered if there's another round of gunfire, and I thought he I was, thought was dead, dead. Maybe. but he, he wasn't. He does not move. No, he, that's right. He, he's just entombed. Yeah, yeah, that's it. So eventually, the gunfire ceases, and the survivors try to take take stock of the situation. Um, and I think Bishop says the lines, we're in the middle of the city, inside the police station. As in, like, you know, we're supposed to be in the safest place yeah. ever. And it's, um, and it's not. Not very safe. Not very safe. Um, and then, uh, uh, then Bishop looks out the station and that's, he sees uh, a lot of movement. And this is where we do see the extent of the number of the gang. Like, they just start coming out of the, yeah. of the darkness. Yeah. Um, uh, awesome moment. Because they, um, they coordinated, because they called each other on their mobiles. Yeah, that's it. That's how so, they did it. Yeah. Beepers, perhaps. <laughs> hey, I got a fax here. <laughs> Wait, I think. Somebody, can I make a phone? That's yeah. going to beep. Yeah. Uh, siege, siege at uh, siege precinct at 13. Where's that? Turned up. Uh, you know, the yeah. precinct 9. Yeah. <laughs> there isn't. <laughs> like half of them turned up to precinct 13. Yeah, that's right. oh, the wrong one. Yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, and this, at this point, um, the, three, uh, the three remaining warlords come out. They throw some blood on the floor and drape a sheet. With some writing on, on the ground, and we learn, later learned that this is known as the cholo. Sure. But um, they throw the blood on the ground, they put the sheet, it's too windy, yeah. and the sheet is going to flow away. Cut to a close up on another day when it's not so windy. Because <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think that through. Because that's the sort of thing if you want to make a, like a dramatic yeah. statement, like throw a sheet on the ground, you just know that it's going to be a windy day. Yeah, of and course. Just totally undermine what you want to Quick. Do. Get Cheney, pin him down on that yeah. corner, um, stick him out. You, you, you yeah. stand on there. Four, four <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's right, bitch. Yeah, yeah, Cholo, you. Yeah. <laughs> and they'll walk back. They do, and then they walk Sorry. back, can't they? Yeah. Um, so uh, basically this means they've been marked, and now and we're now in a facing a siege situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have the Julie character saying... Uh, about the father. Here's the one they want. There's always one. <laughs> just, just throw him to the wolves. There's always one that says, if you betray Robin Hood, then the sheriff of Nottingham won't tax us. <laughs> yeah. That's it. She says that word for word. Mm. Um, so, yeah. So, and obviously Bishop's the one that stands for the all high ground and says, no, we, we're here to protect. Protect on the side. Yep. Um, so the gang then outside start pushing the cars forward and they start firing again. So they're using the parked cars across the street as, yeah, as, barriers. A, as barriers. Um, Lee goes and releases the prisoners just as the gang start breaking into the back and Wilson protects her. She she gets shot in the arm and yeah. doesn't even flinch. She doesn't flinch a lot. She's completely yeah. cold, like yeah. a freaking robot, to the yeah. point where, is this the twist where we reveal she's a vampire or something? <laughs> she gets shot right through the arm and goes... Not gonna cry. Yeah. Not gonna say anything. Yeah, fuck you. And they keep coming. Cholo your ass. Yeah. Cholo this. Yeah. I'm just thinking of. Um, I'm just thinking of. Is it spits or cholo? Come on. <laughs> um, okay. So they had. They've been. Uh, so as I said. Um, yeah. Lee kind of breaks out Wilson and Wells. Um, Bishop finally gets some arsenal and hands it to Wilson who starts blowing away some of the members as they break in that's the, um, that's, that's the box that's yeah. the box finally gets it open yeah, yeah. he literally yeah. pulls what's he doing he just rips it open yeah, yeah, I don't know he just, he just tries harder yeah if only I did that before I thought he was going to did he use the gun to I don't remember I think he just or something just 
But anyway, here's the loaded shotgun. It's, it's like yeah. opening a jar. Like, it, it was loosened like, before. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> how you last. Lee goes, I loosened that for you. That's the reason why that's <laughs> Yeah, yeah. yeah. It is it. a pretty cool, it's a cool moment, though. It is, you know, yeah. The gun toss. Yeah, and yeah. The, yeah. that's it. And it, it was very choreographed, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, it's great. Um, and this, and that's very iconic of westerns too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember, so, yeah. Remembering homages to Rio Bravo yeah, here, um, and it's all about defence now. As we see Wilson happily offing people left, right, and centre, we have Bishop and Lee also defending themselves. Um, and as the gang keeps advancing, Bishop uses a rifle. He does, yeah. Deer rifle. Um, oh, deer rifle. Deer. <laughs> deer. Uh, deer. deer. Um, uh, but they keep coming. They do. They're like a fucking zombie horde. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder how many ex- how many extras like one was John Carpenter. Yeah, same, one was yeah, John Carpenter. Yeah. I was going to say like the same yeah. group of extras getting killed. Yeah. Yeah. But my first thought was like they're just again not realizing that he's symbolically going for zombies here. But like, why do you keep running down a corridor when you've seen there's fifteen of you already dead? <laughs> maybe as a sixteenth guy, you probably go, maybe I won't do this. It's <laughs> clear that's a death. But they keep coming. They yeah. keep getting shot. I think they just, it's, they're just suicidal. And That's they, it. They figure they'll run out of bullets eventually. <laughs> That's it. Well, do you want to go first, just in case, you know. I'll be right. You'll be right. Yeah, you go first, Dan. Okay. Long as I'm fine. So, yeah. Okay, I realise that Ant and Ben's dead, but let's keep going. But it's a cholo. And then we get a bit more insight into that in a sec. So, eventually, the onslaught does stop. And... This is when they start to board themselves up, barricading themselves in mm-hmm. as much as they can. Uh, they discover some bottles of flammable gas. Might come in handy oh. later on. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we also, uh, when they look out the window, they see that the gang have then put all the cars back, <laughs> removed all the bodies, and hidden any evidence of the carnage that took place. <laughs> took all the shells. Uh, I do want to Pick that up. Pick that shit up. Just got the chemicals out. Scrubbing, <laughs> like, the no, 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 blood. no blood. No blood. Yeah, the blood. Um, so the idea is that if anyone passes by, it'll just look like nothing's happened. And um, they use silences. And they use silences. That's it. Which is bullshit. Oh, come on. Because just um, YouTube silences on and any gun, it's very loud. We, uh, no, it goes like this. <laughs> come on. Um, we then learn through Wells that uh, Cholo means that the gang don't care and will rip us apart no matter what the cost, to the death. Mm-hmm. Um, Wells threatens to make a run for it, but he's convinced round. Um, That's right, because he has, he has a, gun, a revolver with a silencer, which again can't work. Yeah. And he realises, oh no, I was shooting no bullets, but because it was on silent, I couldn't uh, tell. Yeah, yeah, that. <laughs> It's like, I damn silences! <laughs> I had no idea! <laughs> I had no idea I wasn't shooting <laughs> You mean you didn't kill anyone, you swat. Okay. Uh, so the d- times are desperate and our ammunition is low, yes. even the silent ones. Um, a police car drives by and takes a sweep around the neighbourhood. One of the cops looks a bit like Ben Stiller, I wrote. Oh, it's not him. It's not him, but I kind of went Zoolander. Before reality, but yeah, that's it. Yeah, Um, it could be just me because I'm a bit like that. But there you go. Um, They decide to ignore the street where the precinct is on and drive drive past. At the precinct, the guys come up with a plan to get to a car, hotwire it, and make a break for it. Um, Well, Bishop can't do it because he's um, doesn't know how to hotwire a car. He's a cop. I don't know how to do that. Lee's got one arm <laughs> she's been shot in the arm yeah. and so it's down to the convicts and uh, how do they resolve it they play potatoes 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 what is that no idea so much 
Apparently, I still didn't get it when I yeah. watched it. I was like, "What, what is that? So, How do you so know who won?" That's a game of skill as opposed to like scissors, paper, rock. Because you know, purely a game of luck. I don't know. What it is. I keep saying he's got terrible luck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, I don't know. Like, dude, you're gonna die. Like, it's inevitable. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. it. That's it. Uh, okay. Take you out of the movie first, like a second. I know? just thought that bit was what hilarious. Yeah. yeah. So Wells Wells gets the short straw, and he's the one that goes to make the run for the car. Um, Wells climbs out of the manhole, hotwires the car, starts to drive away, and just when it looks like he's in the clear, a gang member pops up from behind the back seat and shoots him. Because that gang member, of all the cars he's going to steal, it's going to be this one. Yeah. I'm just going to wait in the back There's seat. lots of cars out yeah. there, and each one had a gang, gang member, member in the back. Just um, in case. Can you imagine what, what the car he didn't hop in going, well, this is fucked. Like, I'm just waiting around for nothing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, at least Jeff had to kill Yeah, yeah, that's it. <laughs> I like how... Was it, he shoots him, his head goes out the window, and and Bishop from, like, way yeah. back. So maybe his head just fell out the window. Uh, that could have been anything. He's alright. He's alright. He's fine. <laughs> yeah, sure, the car's on fire, yeah, but he's, he's alright. Okay, so then the... Uh, now this is where the gang start coming out in droves for the final ambush. Um, the three survivors grab the father um, and hold... There's a lot, because Julie was killed, wasn't she? Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, I just yeah. totally missed that. How did I yeah. miss that? I don't know. Totally missed that. Julie, Julie's dead. Oh, yeah, that was in the, after the first onslaught. First so onslaught. before they decide they need to do something, make yeah. a run for it, yeah, Julie gets killed. I put her body next to the father. How do I miss that? So catatonic. Yeah. He's dead, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks for looking at that, I didn't realise... Until the very end, that he was still alive. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's drag his body down. He's yeah. dead. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the three survivors grab him, uh, take, and they go down in, and basically hole up in the basement and wait for the onslaught yes. to come. And this is uh, this is where uh, you know we're all out of time. And then Wilson goes, "I was born out of time." Got smoke. Got smoke. And then Bishop sets up the gas tank from earlier, yes. um, and uh, says, and basically, if they're going to go out, they're going to go out with a bang. Um, again, we cut to outside. Police car uh, does a drive-by from the same police car from before, and that's where they discover a telephone maintenance man uh, from the village. People, yes, has been shot and killed, and he's um, hanging dead from oh, you know oh. from the phone lines. <laughs> they call for emergency backup, and uh, at this point, at the same time, the gang starts breaking into the precinct, uh, and this is the point where Bishop asks Wilson, "How did you become Napoleon Wilson?" And he says. I'll tell you sometime. Um, and they defend themselves, basically, with an end to their lives. Uh, we've got Lee killing people who are trying to climb through the vent, which yeah, is where right. uh, uh, Wells escaped to get out through the manhole. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the last, the last shot that Bishop has just happens to hit the tank. There's an explosion and smoke goes everywhere. Uh, and then at this point, the reinforcements arrive and the gang disbands. The smoke clears and officers start walking over the dead bodies. And they find our three survivors holding whatever they had to hand, waiting to defend themselves. And Wilson says, and no one got a smoke? <laughs> Again. Um, and uh, the father gets carried out on a stretcher. He's still alive. Mm-hmm. And then we get, that, that, like you were saying earlier, the point where they off, they go to offer Lee a stretcher because she's been sh- shot in the arm. Mm-hmm. And she chooses to walk out. Yeah. And we leave the two guys <laughs> on their own. Yeah. Which can I just add... Uh, White man, black man, ending survivors, the thing. Yes. White man, black man, survivors at the end too, just as a recurring theme. Yeah. Um, and so... No women. W- no That's women. It. No women. That's the thing. That's it. Yeah, can't have any women. Wilson and Bishop uh, so are left there. A cop goes to handcuff Wilson and Bishop pushes them aside. 
Um, and then basically turns to Wilson and says, it would be a privilege if you'd walk outside with me. And Wilson says, I know it would. Um, <laughs> and they walk out side by side yes. up this very narrow stairwell, yes. side by side, as, as close as equals. Which close credits. Was there another one? That, that, I remember there being a one that would be pretty fancy, Wilson. So oh, yeah, there's an extension that, yeah. to that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's, that's, it's just kind of a, yeah, I mean, it, I mean it's... They're two badass characters, and they're just yeah. You know, they don't have to make sense. Not no, no, sense. that's nothing. <laughs> makes, no, it doesn't. <laughs> doesn't at all. Doesn't at all. So, our, our, before we talk about our, our final verdicts on it, what, what was your uh, instincts on watching it? Was this this was your first time you watched well, it? First time I've seen it. So you had seen you had I'd seen the seen remake the, though, Because I, I, yeah. I first said I appreciate that team when the remake was coming out, and yeah. you were like bouncing off the walls, going, "Oh, that's a remake! That's a remake!" Like, what are you doing? Well, I got you to calm down. You told me. <laughs> I saw the one of my seminal films. I loved it. It was John Carpenter. Yeah, yeah. And I was oh, I had no idea. Didn't know what it's about. Sounds like a really groovy idea. Yeah. Saw the remake. And I went, eh. and but never saw the original. Same thing with the Fog. Like because you were like, when the Fog remake came out, you bounced off. Fucking Superman in there. And you talk about the Fog. John Carpenter films. Seminal films. My favorite thing ever. Then I saw the remake. So yeah. I saw the original. I'm going to need to see the remake again. Yeah. And so yeah. So my thought was was. I kind of get now why the remake was what it was because the remake yeah, the yeah. Fog extends the storyline a little bit. And yeah, yeah, exactly. And Assault on Precinct 13, the remake, is so much more complicated plot wise. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Than this film. Um, but yeah, I was like, I couldn't get over the bad acting. Yeah. Because it's clearly like one takes. Because they have a lot of yeah. moments, particularly from the lead, where they're pausing at the middle of a sentence because I'm trying to remember the rest of my life. <laughs> There's about four of those moments. Um, but I do appreciate that this was guerrilla filmmaking yeah. at its finest. And yeah. I can understand why it was a similar film. Yeah. I was looking, thinking about it in context. I'm like, okay, this is this is a student film that's done really, really well. Yeah, yeah. So, and I can understand why. It's like the thing. When I saw the thing as a kid, I, I want to hear nothing against it. I think it's a brilliant film. But I do, when I step back, realize, yeah, nothing really happens for quite a while. It's a slow-paced film. What's wrong with that? No, but yeah, oh, it's I, I get so tired yeah. of that. It's so indicative of the time. Yeah, yeah. Totally. It's just, they just, they just didn't rush to anything. Yeah, like, they, they had time to you breathe. Get, well, and, and by doing that, you get to know the characters a lot more. And yes, you could argue that the characters are a yeah. bit weak in this one, but, like, that, that's... There's actually not that... Yeah, as you've, as you've just pointed out, like, there's just not that much plot here. No. Like, but... But if you see it at a certain age, it becomes DNA. Yeah. Which this film clearly is for you. Ah, oh, completely. Like, you know, there's so much I loved about this movie. And I was, you know, I'm so glad that we're talking about Compton now because, like, for me, he's, like, that, and particularly this period as well. Yeah, right. I, 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 I just love his work. He's so, he's so, I don't think I realised how influential he was until I started hearing other directors talk about, mm. yeah. like, everyone, Edgar Wright, like, Tarantino. Yes, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, I yeah. think oh, yeah. they, well, he made, Tarantino was, made... This is this is obviously not this is a different film, but obviously the cast of the Hateful Eight rewatched the thing the thing before they then made the Hateful Eight. Yeah, yeah. Obviously they're stuck in a cabin. Right, right, right. Very very claustrophobic. Nice. Oh, yeah. Okay, really? So even Tarantino, who's actually not that you know, they're not too far apart like age wise, but yeah, you know, th- th- you know, he obviously watched that movie a lot or his movies a lot when he was working in the video store. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Oh yeah. Will uh, Gibson apparently mentioned that scene with Kim Richards getting shot, and yeah. that helped spark interest in the film. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, um, a lot of people, yeah, like a lot of people love it. I think it's because he's like genre-wise, he kind of covered so many different different things. Like it wasn't specifically 
like horror. He wasn't specifically crime or yes. specifically like That's right. thriller. Mm-hmm. Like he, he got the feeling like he had a he had a grasp just on filmmaking in general. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So look, yeah, look, I I get it. I get why people why it was a similar. Yeah, yeah. Just on the music thing too, like Robert Rodriguez uh, again, part oh, of the whole def- Tarantino factor. Yeah. Um, pretty sure he got. I want to. I'll have to look this up to confirm it, but I'm pretty sure he got Compton to do some of the music for Planet Terror, which was part yeah, of the Grindhouse stuff. Yeah. yeah. So you know, as you said, a lot of people um, were heavily influenced by Compton's work. Yeah. The music for um, Attack the Block is yeah, yeah, yeah. very yes. much a throwback. That's, that's right. That's a good film. But I can see how it couldn't have been that sort of film unless. Yeah, yeah. See, there's certain different. things about it. I mean, to me, I don't know. Like, I, I, I don't know whether I fall into the trap of nostalgia with these kind of films. Though, mm. But for me, like, this whole period is just. Uh, I, I love watching them over and over. I could just oh, okay. keep watching them. And we're talking about. Uh, you know, so there's not a lot of plot. Yeah, sure. The acting's not great, and the dialogue is sparse. But I think the sparsity is part of the beauty of this film. Mm. Um, in the sense that there are these kind of long, kind of drawn-out passages, um, which it's really, really kind of... the dialogue's not really important. Like, nah, you'd watch the movie without the sound on, and you know, yeah, you could. <laughs> you really could. Especially some of those waves of attacks. Like, there's some pretty fast cutting going on there, yeah. and it's really well put together. Like, yeah, yeah. you're not really confused at all. Like, the visual nah. storytelling kind of makes sense, and that's it. Yeah, I think that's that's the real strength. I mean, conceptually, for me too, like Siege films are great. Yeah, um, the siege uh, as a concept is, is stems all the way back to having a pillow fort as a kid. Um, oh yeah, for me, and that's a very I think that's a thing that resonates with a lot of people. Um, and yeah, and siege films tend to be fantastic for that point. And a massive western. I mean, I can yeah. keep talking about the western thing, but it, it's, it's well, I didn't even know about the west. I, I just assumed watching it, I, I picked up on that straight away. Yeah, I didn't yeah. do any kind of research into it, but I think it is, and even, so. even the way that they're like. They run around. Actually, they more remind me of ninjas when they're just like they're completely silent when they're <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. That side, and there's just more of them like appearing and yeah, well, they're, they're quite faceless. You don't really clock their faces. No, which is the whole stormtrooper thing. Like you know, Star Wars, the stormtroopers yep. were yeah, can identify. That's right. That yeah, and um, so yeah, the fact that we're just been mindless horde. Yeah, yeah. It's like oh, okay, so they're, they're forced. They're but forced some of the best them. movies are like, uh, you know, I. I Disguised as a different genre, mm. like you know, a western disguised as a like a modern day, like, yeah, a yeah, totally. as a modern day, yeah, like, yeah, 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 that's right, that's right. Movie. Well, Aliens was supposed to be a Vietnam War movie, some people have pulled through the tournaments. Well, I can see that, you yeah, can see yeah, that definitely. very easily, very easily. Um, anyway, go. yeah, no, no, cool. All right, well, let's let's start looking at the uh, the players of the piece, the mm-hmm. the, the, the core actors, um, that are in it. Uh, got Austin Stoker, as we mentioned, who plays uh, Ethan Bishop. Um, outside of this, he was uh, he played the role of McDonald in Battle for the Planet of the Apes, part of the original yep. uh, franchise, mm-hmm. um, as well as uh, Jeff Allen in the series of the, the series Return to the Planet of the Apes too. He was also in uh, Horror High, Airport 1975, and he would also appear alongside his co-star Darwin Justin as Doctor Ken Melrose in the 1982 B movie Time Walker, oh. uh, which I don't. Uh, I wouldn't expect you to know that movie. I'm purely mentioning it because he teams up with uh, Darwin again. Uh, um, thoughts on him, lead actor? As we mentioned, uh, you know, uh, very uh, importantly playing um, uh, against what would be known as as uh, the hero type. Then, mm. you know, having a, an African American uh, law enforcer who's you know the one that's defending the cause. Yeah, um, he's but, just a likable guy. Like he's just a nice guy. 
He's a pretty not, straight shooter. Yeah. There's not much cinema edge to him. Yeah. But, no. but he kind of needed to be that because when he teams up with Wilson. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? Yeah, he's he's the straight man to Wilson's. Wilson's the cool guy. Was, who played it in the remake? Ethan Hawke. Lauren, oh, Ethan Hawke and Larry Fishburne. Fishburne. So they swapped the roles around. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and Ethan Hawke is very good as a... And he was a greener cop. He was more of an yeah. idealist. Whereas yeah, yeah. I kind of got the impression this guy had been around the block a few times. He's yeah. just part of the book. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, as an aside, I watched Regression this week. Have you seen that, Ethan Hawke? Yes, I have. What do you think of that? Emma Watson, yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah, same. He does a lot of okay. Yeah. Like... The, yeah, I, I came out. I came yeah. out of it going, oh, yeah, all right, yeah, all right, yeah. yeah. Anyway, yeah. 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 <laughs> that, there you go. He's often better than the film around him a lot of the time. What was oh, the one he did in Australia? The film, uh, the night, no, day of night or whatever. Uh, huh? He did predestination here, and he did pre. And the, no, it's the, the day, day, day breakers with the Spirit Brothers. Yeah, yeah. But he did one, the, the one that's a time travel one, and I'm pretty sure predestination. Yeah. yeah, and that actress is Australian. Ah, oh, okay. Cool. And that was okay. So, but the thing is with that, I know we've gone, I know, I was, I was hoping there that we were going to keep on Sorry. track because it was short. But I, on my last thing on that regression, and, or Ethan Hawke, I should say, is in particular in that movie, if he if he wasn't playing that role, I, I would have tuned out right. way, way, way before. Yeah. To me, there was something odd about him, which I kind of, which kept me watching it. Anyway, okay. um, so uh, Darwin Justin, who plays uh, Napoleon Wilson, um, this was his most noted role, but he did uh, surface as Paul in, not me, um, in David Lynch's Eraserhead. Um, he would crop up again in, uh, for, in John Carpenter uh, in The Fog, um, playing a role uh, of the mortician called Dr. Phoebes, which is another nod to another horror film which uh, Vincent Price was in, okay. the abominable Dr. Phoebes. Um, Carpenter has said that he wrote the Napoleon Wilson role with Justin in mind and imbued the character with um, some of Justin's personality traits. Um, it seems that um, when Carpenter was writing the screenplay for Assault and Precinct 13, he and Justin both lived in the same Hollywood Hills apartment building um, and they became friends. Mm-hmm. So hence why that would infuse in your writing of the of the script. Um, having gotten to know Justin and his dark sense of humour, Carpenter felt that his neighbour would make an interesting anti-hero. Um, some, including Quentin Tarantino, consider Justin to have been a vastly underrated actor whose talent was not duly recognised during his lifetime. Has he passed on? Yeah, he's passed on. Oh. Yeah, Which probably that. means that Tarantino would have used him. Yeah, like, that's true. Oh, yeah. 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 If he was yeah. still around, yeah. he would have yeah. found a way to use him. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, what, do we, what do we think of him? It reminds me of uh, uh, a guy that you were with called Jesse. He just walked past... The, the recording booth room right now. You did. So yeah. he's a guy that I work, the Ben and I work with. He reminds me an awful lot. If Jesse went off the rails, became is that because he's always asking for a smoke? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what it is. Nice. It's just very laconic. And, <laughs> hey Jesse, yeah. if, if you're listening, no, no, hey Jess. We, we say this in a loving, a loving way. I, I, as I said earlier, I to me this character is the prototype to Snake. Yeah. Like there's so much around that that comes mm. comes later on. Obviously, Snake is a lot more formed. Uh, as a character, um, and Kurt brings yeah, Kurt, Kurt to Kurt, it. Yeah. So, um, but that's no disrespect to to the actor. Um, he is. A, I mean, like uh, I, I haven't seen Rio Bravo, but uh, is he the John Wayne character? No, no. Or is John Wayne the sheriff character? John Wayne's the sheriff character. Okay. Dean right. Martin's probably the closest to because Dean Martin. Okay, but Dean Martin was a fallen hero. It's slightly ah, different. okay, okay. Uh, and you have a, your third one is Ricky Martin. 
Uh, Ricky Martin <laughs> living the vida loca. But he was a pop singer back in the day because my mum. Rick, uh, Ricky Valens. Ricky Valens. Okay, was, yeah. was he in that? Okay. Yeah, he was. Say the Bumba guy. Yeah, yeah, right. Uh, not Ricky. No, no, not the Bumba guy. Ricky oh. something else. But anyway, he was a pop singer. And Little Richard. First roles. And there's three. There's two songs in that in Rio Bravo which are quite good. So <laughs> Paul's going to play them as as cutaways right now. You're the, back. you're the synth guy. The thing about Rio Bravo, can I just say real quick? Yeah, because there's the line. Have you got a smoke? Was a was Dean Martin's line. That's why he oh. came into the movie. Okay. Uh, but when I first saw Rio Bravo. I was like, um, you should play a drinking game. If you see Rio Bravo, play a drinking game. Every time somebody puts a rifle down and then picks it up a second later, take a shot, you'll be hammered. <laughs> why, why would they put a rifle down? Every scene they come in, John Wayne, particularly John Wayne, puts his rifle down. So like, he comes in from outside, puts his rifle down, and he realises he's got to go somewhere else, and he picks up his rifle and walks out again. Is it more of just, you know, they've been carrying the rifle, they just need to flex the hands a bit, you know, get warm the muscles up, it pick is, it back back in? But it's just, it happens a dozen times in the movie. The, um, yeah. See, we did say that Ant has an attention to detail of these things. <laughs> um, Irrelevant things. The... Uh, yeah, look, I, I, I actually, I really like his character in this. I, I know, I know it's, it's, it's a bit two-dimensional, to say the least, but there is something about this. And as I said, to me, I feel like it's the bones of what will yeah. come later down the track. Yeah, sure. Um, moving forward, we've got Laurie Zimmer, who plays Lee. She's, I liked her. Um, I originally, I originally cool. was a bit... Oh, cause she's liked like, her? Or? Liked her. No. But originally she comes across as like really... Uh, I think she's a model who's trying to have it acting. Doesn't yeah. She's so dead straight. Yeah. But because she keeps that consistency up and she's she's quite level-headed, she gets shot in the arm and doesn't even blink. <laughs> um, she's quite... Low, and she plays off against these two... Like when other guys start hysterically going, what do we do, what do we do? And she's the one who's keeping her head. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder if that yeah. was an... I, keep, I don't know if that was intentional or if that's just her like... Being her, yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe she has no other way to go. She's got a I don't give a fuck attitude, yeah, which is cool for the character, but definitely might like, just, she might be like that in every movie. Well, here's the thing: my first was like, how come I've never heard of this girl? Yeah, because I, I was like, based on that, she's worthy, worthy of trying out a few things. Yeah, then she she basically disappeared to the point where somebody made a documentary about. Yeah, that's right. Saying where is Laurie? Laurie Zimmer. Laurie, where is Laurie Zimmer? And that's exactly right. It was done in 2009. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the whole premise was like, at the beginning of the doc, she had no idea. Well, she was a friend of hers right and she had no idea where she went so she was asking including John Carpenter she yeah. asked where the hell is she and she drove up and down the neighbourhood she was last seen with a big sign on the back of a truck <laughs> have you seen Laurie Zimmer call this number now? yeah 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 and the, the film does conclude that she does find her and she's retired or I think she's a teacher or something teacher or something yeah. yeah no no you're right like she it's, it is an odd one because you're right off the back arguably we don't know I've not seen the other movies she, she, uh, let's just Right, she was in three other films, okay, firstly, and I'll, I'll tell them in a minute. But outside of that, she just dropped off yeah. the face of the earth, okay? So um, so we're kind of really only judging her on this one movie. Yes, it's a really cool character. Yes, she does it well. But is she just, like Ben said, is she just being herself in it? It's hard to know. We haven't got yeah. Yeah. another platform to judge her on. Off the back of that, you would expect her to get a lot more work and, mm. you know, yeah. and, and something come out of it because it was such a... <clears throat> It is well, such a cool, films, cool character. The films from this era, you'd imagine that it's just the, the ditzy, like, you know, yeah. heroine yeah, exactly. in trouble. That's it. Yeah. It's such a cool character. It really is a good yeah. character in it. And I, like uh, and I like the fact that she's really level-headed and you get, the, you get I guess, the ditzy one gets killed. Yeah. Uh, which normally these days is the other way around. <laughs> <laughs> the more intelligent you are, the more likely you are going to get killed. Yeah. Um, so, um, so the other three titles she was in was a film called American Raspberry, and a couple of uh, another, other ones, there was Dirty Story and Survival of Dana. Um, 
yeah, they, they no wouldn't wouldn't even reach your radar really. Uh, as you said, Anne, she w- did turn up in a, in in two thousand and three with a documentary based around her called "Do You Remember Laurie Zimmer?" Um, and um, the film kind of chronicles uh, the ladies as Slovak, I think her name was. Yeah. Um, search to discover why Zimmer quit acting, where she is now, and what she's doing. And, there, and it reveals that she lives near San Francisco, works as a teacher, and is married to actor Bruce Still. Has two sons, um, and there's a mus- one of them is a musician, Julian Still, of the band The KO Brothers, and the other one's a performance artist called Max Steele. There you go. And that was the conclusion. Yeah, didn't do anything outside of that, which to me might be a, a, a something sadly missing and. and could have been something we've missed out on in film industry, but true. Yeah, but I do, I do, I do have respect for people who go who get into acting and do get exposed to the high end of it and go, you know what? Yeah, not for me. I'd Don't. rather be a doctor. Don't. Thank you. Yeah, fuck you. Um, on your ass. Yeah. Um, so um, there. Then quickly, we'll go through a couple of the other people. Martin West played the father character Lawson. Uh, other than this, he was uh, probably known for playing Doctor Phil Brewer in General Hospital on TV series. Um, and he was also played a character called Sanger in Hitchcock's Family Plot. Um, I'm going to just skip along that. That's all I need to say about him. <laughs> other than I mean, his daughter dies. Does a comatose. Yeah. He, he, he puts his really jacket well. over her straight away. She's dead, man. I mean, I mean it's one of those. Well, I mean, because nobody could say if the child gets killed, what would you do? Well, what would you do? Yeah, he's got vengeance on his mind, though, at the time. That I understood. Fury, fury to the max. He doesn't really try too hard, does he, to. I guess it's pretty obvious she's dead. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But still, wouldn't you be in denial for at least a little, little longer? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, don't I think know. it was the uh, vanilla swirl that brought him back, <laughs> back um, into, into perspective. Oh, is that what he was really upset about? Yeah, yeah. That wasn't a swirl. That's a scoop! That kill him, which is, it was a paintball that was exploded. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And we'll yeah. get to we will get to. I know you really want to talk about. Yeah, she's a housewife now. Yeah, yeah. We haven't got to it yet. God damn it. Um, so the other, the other person is Tony Burton who plays Wells uh, the other prison uh, convict yeah. now he's really known yeah. or most known as playing the corner man Duke in the six Rocky movies um, yes that's who he is yeah, yeah. I knew, I knew, I knew. so um, yeah that's him and he was um, Larry Durkin also in The Shining as another horror oh, record um, Burton actually a bit of background on him he wound up in prison and he did doing like three and a half years for robbery this was before he got into acting and he did a workshop in the prison that used psychodrama, which is a form of therapy. By the way, I, I, I've studied drama, and this is one of my areas that I really, really love psychodrama. I think it's a really, really cool way of kind of working on... I've seen Paul actors through psychodrama. It's not Chad, in particular, <laughs> did it. Chad was like, We're going to do it again. <laughs> no, no. And the channels is looking at me, Anyway, so look, uh, all this uh, you know would point Burton towards his acting career uh, when an emotional breakthrough achieved by one of his partners in the acting exercise dramatically demonstrated theatre's potential power, and he got into acting after that. Um, I don't know what else to say about him. He's kind of like he's there. He's there. He's there. He's there. He's the token support role for. Because somebody's got to die. Yeah, but it's one plan. But importantly, like I think he's he's the uh, he's that he's, you need that other prison convict to support the Wilson character. So you, someone who knows his past that comes with him yeah, and is talking about his past as they yeah, go with him. Right, yeah, 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 
Um, so that's kind of his role there. Um, we also have Charles Cyphers, who plays Starker. So he's the uh, prison transport officer. Yeah, you recognise his face. Okay, so he will, he would go on to play Sheriff Lee Brackett in Halloween and Halloween 2. Mm-hmm. He would also crop up in another, a couple of other character films. Someone's Watching Me, Elvis. He played Dan O'Bannon in The Fog. And he also played the Secretary of State in Escape from New York. Ah, okay, yeah. Okay, oh, yeah, yeah. Cups up quite a few times. Outside of Carpenter World, he also was play a character called Pee-wee in Coming Home, not Pee-wee's Adventures, completely mm-hmm. different person. Um, he would play Donald Kay in Death Wish 2, Captain Lader in Hill Street Blues, which was what really a lot of uh, TV viewers of the 80s would probably know him more so from. He cropped up in an episode of Freddy's Nightmares. Uh, Charlie played the role of Charlie Donovan in Major League. And also... Uh, Tim, he's the coach, isn't he? Uh, uh, I don't know. Is that the coach? No, 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 no. He's the one that tells the boss that he blows a raspberry at the boss. Yeah. Because he's the offside. He's trying to root for the team. That's it, that's yeah, it. Yeah, Thank you. Right. I was like, yeah. I couldn't picture who he was from it. Like, Shut up. Sit and down. And he also played Coach Carl Marion in the film version of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Uh, oh. See, I've never... I, I couldn't bring myself to watch the Buffy film. I still haven't. I, don't, I always I don't think I ever will. I always thought that the Buffy, Buffy film Buffy Girl should have met Sarah Michelle Gellar in the TV series as an alternate universe thing. Ooh. And I've met Joss Whedon once and I forgot to pitch that to him as an idea. Well, he's not in his control. Yeah, that's true. They're having a new movie. Oh, is it a movie or a TV series? There's a new movie. TV series. No, movie. It's a movie. It's a new yeah. movie, but it got shot down more. Yeah. Oh, is it? Well, it's continued. No, it's still it's continued on in the comics. It's it? now, isn't yeah, it? yeah. The, the, yeah. the comics is continuing on the series eight, yeah. nine, ten. Yeah. But the movie, as far as I knew, was in development hell. So maybe. Ah, okay. Maybe it has. Maybe it's gone. Okay, moving on. We have Nancy Keys, aka Nancy Loomis, who plays Julie. Um, she would go on to play Annie Brackett in Halloween, uh, the basically the babysitter character. Oh, right. okay. um, she would also play Sandy Fidel in The Fog. Lindy Chalice in Halloween 3, The Season of the Witch, which actually at that time marked was the only actor slash actress to have appeared in three Halloween movies. Um, She was married to director Tommy Lee Wallace, who actually would go on to direct parts two and three of the Halloween franchise. Um, Again, not really much to say about her in this one. The weak one. There's always going to be one who's going to go to say out loud what he's thinking. So yeah, so she was the weak one. She's a weak one, that's right. Uh, We have Harry Brandon, who plays Chaney. He was, uh, uh, oh, look, he's been in a lot of films, mainly around the uh, 30s and 40s. Uh, He cropped up in a Lauren Hardy film early early on. Um, He uh, would play Dr. Fu Manchu in Drums of Fu Manchu. Um, Sorry, Anne. Weirdly enough, I'm not saying that. Yeah. Tarzan and the She-Devil. He was in The War of the Worlds, played Captain Danette in Vera Cruz and also Scar in The Searchers. Oh. Which is probably why he got cast in this Such as, as a nod seminal, to the seminal film, another John Wayne film. film. Um, let's move on to King Richards, played Kathy. Uh, various family movies, like and, and also played Olga Nordstrom in Little House on the Prairie, um, and you know as you mentioned, Escape to Witch Mountain and Return to the Witch Mountain as Tia Malone. Uh, more recently known from reality series Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, um, she was really? in. Yeah, isn't she the art of some famous? Or like no. not biological, but like art of Britney Spears or some shit like that. I don't know. I mean, oh, I don't know. I didn't know that. She was in. She's been in various uh, TV roles since. Um, maybe loved her. She was small in, roles, in, really. Different strokes for a while as the neighbour or something. Oh right. She. Yeah. Uh, oh, I think I know the one. I remember the. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Uh, she would play uh, Christina Ritchie's estranged oh, mother in Black Snake Moan. Back to our childhood yeah. Crush. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Um, Bunch of creeps. Yeah. 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 Apparently, uh, Carpenter would almo- almost stalk Richards in order to get her in the role of uh, Kathy. Um, Carpenter was asked to... Um, uh, you know, oh, sorry. On that, the reason he did that is because she was so iconic with the Disney thing, and have her shot. He wa- he wanted uh, really wanted that kind of innocence. Yeah, blown away. Blown away. Yeah. Is that did, did that attract her to the role? She's like, yes, finally get. To I don't know. Like he kept. I don't know why she said yes, but he he kept trying to get her. Like there, oh, okay. there was a lot of no, 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 and eventually he got her. Interestingly, on that on that particular uh, scene where she does die, Carpenter was asked to cut it back and edit yes, Kathy's death is. scene in order to reduce the rating of the movie, which he did, but he sent the original print to the cinemas anyway. And then after that, the classification board goes, you know what, let's, let's make a rule that that doesn't happen again. <laughs> yeah. I mean, everyone would do that, wouldn't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah is it? And everyone is it? would fucking do it. Oh, I sent the wrong one. And I was like, Paul, yeah. you get a gun. Are you going to shoot me? No, yes. <laughs> Are you sure you're not going to shoot me? No. no. Okay, all the occasion can come in. Okay. Okay. <laughs> oh, you shot me. Yeah. So look, it was a really, uh, it was a really impactful moment in in, uh, oh. in the film. Yeah. Uh, but what would they? Would he, would he cut it? Cut it entirely, or I guess but you just saw the, the gun, the gun shot, and but you yeah, didn't see yeah, her. Yeah, yeah. None of the impact of. Uh, yeah, I think it's the physical. Yeah. Um, anyway, and then the last person I want to talk about is Frank Doubleday, who plays the White Warlord. Um, and the reason I say that is because he would crop up again and come to a film as Romero in Escape from New York. Oh, okay. Um, so he's the white punk dude, essentially. Yeah, he's a generic white guy he goes to. He the, was relatively, like, yeah, you know. Oh, the four warlords was the one who was, yeah, he was yeah. doing stuff. Because he got more screen time. Yeah. And we will talk about his role in Escape from New York down the track because there's an important thing about that that's been a nod from a, another fellow actor. Oh, okay. And, uh, but we'll talk about that down the track, as we said. It's all connected. It is with now, let's look at let's look at Carpenter, the director's note. Okay, uh, obviously he wrote it, directed it, did the music for it. Okay, um, following this is following Dark Star. Um, Carpenter, as I said, was eager to make a western, but lacked the money to do so. So he loosely adapted Howard Hawks' film Rio Bravo and set it on the streets of LA instead. Uh, do you want to talk about that in particular? Like uh, we were talking earlier on about yeah. watching Rio Bravo and. It's loosely adapted. Yeah, the, the only connection I had was the big gun battle at the end there, which yeah. was a siege. But they were on the outside trying to get in. Yeah, yeah. And killing yeah. a bunch of bad guys. You mean the good guys were? Yeah, the good guys were. Yeah. yeah. So is it worth is it worth uh, the listeners seeking out? Or? Rio Bravo is a seminal Western film. It is, is very much. It's kind of, it breaks into a musical number. They, they sing songs because the Vicky dude was a pop <laughs> singer. And right. Dean Martin can sing as well. And oh, the songs themselves are actually not bad. Um, it's, not, it's not like paint, paint my way. I was no, thinking no, exactly. No, that. it's not. It's not. It is one of those things where like you can see this, but it is kind of weird how it happens. And then then they get back into the actual film. But it's it's a classic film of its era where nothing happens. Where like literally they walk into a room, put down a gun, talk, realize yeah. maybe we should go back outside and pick up a gun. Walk. That happens like six times. Here's here's my thing, right? Mm. And I know this isn't a John Ford film, mm. um, but he has. Is he still the most uh, Academy? Uh, award-winning Western, director, Western director, Western or director ever, director ever. Anyway, he won. He's won a whole whole lot of shit for his stuff, yeah. right? And my and Ant will recognise what I'm saying in this. It, like for me, westerns is how you are with gangster films. Yeah. Right. So I, I just yeah, oh, like I just find them boring as batshit. Right. <laughs> I just there are exceptions. Yeah, Don't get me wrong. There are uh, exceptions. Yeah. I know what you mean it's the spaghetti you know, westerns. I love. I absolutely yeah. I love the spaghetti people, westerns. Most people love love the spaghetti westerns, and then they go and try and watch more, and oh. they're just like, like 
It's like Kill Me Now. I went, I went through this thing where I wanted because there was like the top 100 Empire films of all time. Yeah, and I was like, yeah, I'm gonna yeah. go, oh, yeah, I'm gonna yeah. turn through that, so I'm gonna watch them all. Yeah. And I always found the Western ones really, That's really fucking kills. painful to watch. <laughs> I was like, oh my god, seriously. I really like High Noon though. Going back to like a yeah. really old school yeah. uh, film, but. What do, you think, yeah. what do you think of Tombstone and why they're open at Tommy? Why? Tombstone's only good purely for, um, not me, I consider myself to be in my prime. <laughs> um, the rest of it you can just take with a pinch of salt. Tombstone <laughs> is a classic example of, like, which Val Kilmer am I dealing with here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, that is like Val Kilmer to 11, that's such a good film. But on either side of it, you're like, what the fuck is this? I get those two films confused, though. With the white open... Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, they came out at the same time. Yeah, they did. Yeah. That was a classic yeah. parallel, yeah. the studio, yeah. one studio, yeah. one studio. Yeah. One studio panics and goes into like they're doing the gunfight at the AK Corral we'll do one isn't there a really isn't there isn't one of them didn't have a massive amount of cuts and there's like a uh, a director's cut out there somewhere one's uh, the Kurt Russell one he effectively directed because the director they had wasn't that experienced and apparently this is what happens that Kurt Russell does direct and you don't mind as much because he actually really knows what the fuck he's doing Mm. well it's been in the industry enough to know apparently another rumour is um London, London's form, what's his name? Scottish oh, L- yeah, uh, Jerry Butler. I'm just going to call him Gordon. Very much like that as well on set, he starts directing. Yeah, right. and start, um, See, I don't yeah. know about him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but apparently, they're saying that that's his next logical step. He's one of those, like Denzel Washington's very same. Oh, interesting to see how he I can't really see Jerry Butler. Like, <laughs> yeah. oh, but you, know, you get actors who know how to shoot themselves in a scene and they know how to construct yeah. spot close ups. But they realise, the like Stallone, have you ever seen Stallone direct himself? It's it actually is quite of an eye-opening experience because when he does the Expendables, he has his shorthand language that knows how to shoot, where to shoot, how to shoot me, how to shoot him, how to shoot me. And he'll say it in character on set. And it's just the science and way of directing yourself is, is really interesting. Interesting. But Kurt Russell, that the whole scene with um, with the guy where he, where he stares down the guy who's unarmed, that was all him. Yeah, so yeah. How he's going to approach that. And how okay. would you scare... How the hell would you intimidate a guy who's armed to a gun? He's not. Mm. And this is how you do it. Anyway. I could I could hear you talk about that for ages, buddy. But we're we're Maybe crunching we're out of time. So um, just going back to Carpenter. So essentially, it's a the film is essentially a siege uh, mentality. It's got that siege mentality, um, and it's clear in, in the fact that it uses the faceless mob that you were talking about as well as the attackers. And this is a concept that Carpenter would often use, uh, as in a small group defending themselves from an unknown assailant. Um, there are echoes, as I said, of the Night of the Living Dead in the sense, uh, and, you know, plus the use of the American. African American actor as the lead. Um, the film itself would gain more success overseas, primarily in Britain, um, but it would pave the way for many more films to come. Mm-hmm. Um, what was your final verdict? Would you say on? Um, I think the history of the film interest, interested me. Yeah. The fact that it was a, it was a hit overseas. Yeah. Uh, Massive Britain, like yeah. maybe that's why I remember it. So, yeah, right. I mean, it wasn't. Did we, how old were you saw it? So, I, I wasn't alive when it came out because it's 76. Um, <laughs> Fuck you! Um, Sorry. I, I was like, oh, this looks good. Mum, mum, worst parents. Man, I don't know, like, it's like this is where I, you know, when I start talking to Miles, we're on a similar wavelength. Yeah. Thing. Like, we're both from Britain, we both basically watched a lot of stuff from video rentals. Right. Um, and I, I don't know how old I would have been. Maybe nine or ten, maybe yeah. I don't know. I was I was young, um, but a lot of those movies I watched around then, you know, like far too young, far too, too young. young yeah. Well, it's it's you know, you're I'd say you were old enough in your own. In your Hasn't own shaped me at all. Yeah, <laughs> it's only the ones that scar you. Where you're like, I yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think there's anything in this that's too. It's not like I watched Human Centipede when I was like. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Where your son, on the other hand, he um, loved it. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
It's, it's like the, the face melt moment in Raiders Lost Ark. Yeah. A lot of guys around your age, like that was a bit where I was like, what the fuck? And that stayed with you for a bit. Definitely. Yeah. Raiders, yeah, yeah. yeah I, fuck, I got fucked up by that. <laughs> of all things, Roald Dahl, like the witches. Ah, the yeah. Dahl film. There's like a scene where Angelica Houston like kills a Oh, yeah, 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 right. Just like, it's still down there. Like People do mark that as a really scary, scary film. Because it's kind of, of the, creepy as yeah. well. Because at the start of the film, when they're all like stuck in the painting and everything. That's well, it. Like, it's, and even like the subject is like, like the ending doesn't really, really, like he doesn't stop being a mouse, for no, example, right? He's still a mouse. Kind of yeah. yeah. So but this you know, film, this anyway. film's pretty like apart from the girl being being shot, it's kind of like it's harmless kind of. Yeah, fun. it is. Yeah, Cowboys it is. and Indians, like exactly, pretty much. Yeah, you're right. You're right. But um, yeah, that was really cool. Like I think yeah. I watched it when I was younger, and I didn't get a full appreciation for it. But rewatching it again recently. Like from a filmmaking point of view, yeah. like he, there's some, there's some really like the way it's the visual storytelling I was mentioning before, like it's it's cut together really well, like some of those, Agreed, yeah. some of those so action if, scenes. If you were to do a remake now, because obviously we're talking about the remake, it wasn't, I don't think it was that good. No, um, but what would be the essence if you were to pitch me one? Okay, you want to approach me about Precinct Thirteen, the remake in one sentence. What would be the essence of your remake that that will pay homage to? We'll do it. We'll do it right. I, th- I think it's got to come back to what Commodore was trying to do, which was it's it's the faceless mob attacking right. a, a group of people. Like yep. you've got to focus because that to me is what where horror is scary mm-hmm. is when you don't know what's coming at you, and because you're leaving the imag- to the audience's imagination, mm-hmm. and by having just it being kind of like a, a, a moment out of the blue and just um, but you never really get any. It's all they're all, they're all wide shots or yeah, yeah, yeah you never really like, you're seeing shapes move in the mm-hmm. dark, but yeah. Yeah. And even like you know, maybe like wouldn't wouldn't actually put faces to the warlords either. Like right. maybe just have a random gun out the window as it's driving past, so you yeah. get that sense okay. of danger and stuff. So you never really see the forces attacking. Yeah. yeah. So, but for me, like my you know, to me, I mean, it's not. I wouldn't say it's the best Carpenter film, mm-hmm. but it was one that I have very strong nostalgic emotions over, and I really love it. And the music, as I said, to me, oh, this is know. my favorite. Of I his. think this is the start so. of his run of. Yeah. Of classics, like he had, he had one of the best runs in, in oh, history. Oh hell yeah! And I think this is the start. And we're gonna we're gonna yeah. get talking into that. You know, we're yeah. gonna start because you know we've had Dark Stars, as you know, that was his that was a student film essentially, and he you know he's teaming up to um, kind of make basically did that at university as we've discussed. Um, yeah, and um, I mean, if you look, if you compare, if you compare him to, to Craven, like he got he got good quicker. Yeah, like yeah, his films got. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Hit his stride really, really quickly. Yeah. So, um, so that basically concludes our second horror film surgery for uh, for the season. We do hope you enjoyed our discussions. Until next time, we are Ben Skinner. What's the opposite of Punta? Good Yes. No, that, that's good evening. Um, yeah. Write it and tell us. You should have done. You should have done ciao Italian. You should have gone ciao because it's hello and goodbye. So anyway, that's true. Ciao bella. Ciao bella. Uh, And Anthony Yee. See ya. And uh, and that just leaves me, your humble host, Paul Farrell. Until next time. Goodbye. You're listening to the Surgeons of Horror podcast. John Carpenter. The early years. Assault on Precinct 13. Music supplied by Peter Nezik. For more discussions or podcasts, head over to surgeonsofhorror.com or head over to our Facebook and Twitter sites.
for the latest news and updates.